0: Matthew 21 and 1 turn your bibles there pray you brought your bibles if if you're a uh part of the South Bay Chapel family it's kind of a big deal to bring your bible so that uh you know you take ownership of it god has given us this and only in the last i'd say 100 years but even even just the last 50 years has it been something that was so easily accessible i mean we can go to the bible bookstore today and buy any bible you want any color you want any you, any uh uh, flavor you want, meaning you could buy a military Bible or Bibles for dads or Bibles for moms or Bibles for bible nerds you can you could find a Bible for any walk of life, and that 's a privilege that we are some of the first generations to even experience so let 's not let 's not just let that let 's not be lax towards that let 's take ownership of that. make this your Bible, write in it, make notes uh, and, and the things that the Lord speaks to you make them part of you. And not just something you, you forget later on matthew twenty one and one says this early on Sunday morning as, they, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other mother and the other Mary went to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. And the angel spoke to the woman don't be afraid he said i know you were looking for jesus who was crucified he isn't here he is risen from the dead just as he said would happen come see where his body was lying and now go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to galilee you will see him there remember what i have told you the women ran quickly from the tomb they were very frightened but also filled with great joy and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped at his feet, or grasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and I will see them there. That's not Matthew 21? Well, good. Good thing you brought your Bibles then, right? What was it? It was Matthew 28. Of course, Matthew 28. It only, you know, preceded by Matthew 27, of course. (laughs) As we've read that, let's pray, and then we'll go forward. Jesus, your word is good. And even when we as people, me especially, and specifically in this moment, when we get the references wrong or or we just kind of mess things up, it's you who are perfect. It's you who are infallible. It is your word that has stood the test of time for generation after generation. That as much as the world has tried to squash and quench what your word has said, it just like a wildfire continues to burn across generations. So I pray, Lord, that your word would do just that. That today as we contemplate these words that that he is or you are risen, may we not just be blessed with a good feeling, Lord, but have our lives changed, our minds changed, our hearts changed and set on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I chose this specific um, version of the Bible because my English Standard Version says he has risen. That's true. And maybe some of you have thought to yourself, why is it he is risen? That sounds weird. It should be he has risen. Maybe that's what you thought to yourself. Maybe you've never noticed it before. He is risen is probably a better translation of that phrase. For you and I, we don't use English that way. But here's what's being said. It's not that... It's something he's done in the past. It's the state of where he's at right now. Jesus today is risen as he was that day. He is seated at the right hand of his father. He is interceding for you and I. He is in a constant state of being risen. Yes, it is something he has done in the past, but it is the very nature of who he is now. It is why 2,000 years later, we still call upon his name. It's why 2,000 years later, we still put our hope in him because he is indeed Risen and here's what I love about the Lord, okay um, so earlier this year we set this uh Colossians uh sermon series in place, and uh it, it's just it's just in the way that only the Lord can. our verse today coincides with the message of the gospel, the message of Resurrection Sunday, so we're actually going to turn to the book of Colossians now that we've kicked off from uh, matthew twenty eight uh, we're gonna go into Colossians chapter one, verse twenty-one. And I'm like ninety percent sure that's the right verse. I gotta tell you, as a side note though, it's pretty cool to have a church who all at the same time go, that's not the right verse, because you guys know what's going on. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for that. Um Colossians one and twenty-one says, and you who were once alienated. Part of the grace that God has for you is opening your eyes not just to his goodness, but also to our anti-goodness. Meaning that before Christ, we were one way, and after Jesus, we were another. And Paul points out we were in – he uses two words to describe our state before Christ, alienated and hostile. you've ever seen – um People defect from their countries and they leave. Something's happened within their, their government or within their culture and they decide we're out of here and they leave and they become hostile towards their, their home. Maybe not towards what they know is their home or, or their hometown or that feeling you get when you go back to your place of birth, but, but the state that it's in right at that moment, they're hostile and they leave, they become aliens to that place. They go to a new land where... Or maybe they can be offered more freedom and more of this and more of that. But they're hostile and they're angry. And in that moment or in that scenario, it's somewhat justified, especially if there's a corrupt government in charge, right? But see, with this, God is good all the time. God is continuously good. All that he has done is good. So for us to be hostile and alienated from God, the only goodness in all the universe, is a great problem. And so as you become a Christian, if you haven't become a Christian yet, I hope that you would today. Our prayer is that you would today um, give your life to Christ, lay your life down, be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's our desire for you today. But prior to that moment, we are hostile and we are alienated. What does that mean? It's a condition of the believer before they know Jesus this this alienation you are you are separate from the god of all creation that runs counter to everything the world teaches us that we are all inherently the children of god that we are all inherently good we just do some bad things that there is no evil that there is no hell that that we're all just good people just trying to get along and we'll and eventually we'll get this right and for millennia now not decades not centuries but for millennia we've seen nothing but the opposite of that we've seen good people set up good organizations or good uh governments or good uh lands and countries only to see them corrupted by evil men and women and groups right something starts off so pure and holy and then it gets corrupted you'll see that even within the walls of the church sometimes a good church, a good ministry, and the wrong person comes in whose only, whose only goal is their own uh, gain, and it destroys the church. Or even worse, it grows the church, and that mindset just gets proliferated. Without the intervention of God in your life today, this is where we're at. And truth be told, after, after we... Even know Jesus, our flesh. We talked about that on Friday about how when the Bible talks about our flesh, it's talking about that that mind that is the opposite of God and His desires and His will. Um, there will be this constant battle between the two. You know, you'll 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 sin and you'll try to justify it. Well, you know, I had to, or you know, I enjoyed it. Maybe it's not sin. You try to talk yourself out of it. the flesh and the spirit, just kind of warring. And the one you feed generally tends to be the one that kind of becomes more victorious in your life. Before Christ, we we're alienated from God and from God's will. We're alienated from... It's as though there's there's a place with walls and we're on the outside. You read the book of Revelation, and I don't know if you've been there in a while, but God makes this new heavens and this new earth, and there's these walls of jewels, and it just, it's just it's amazing what... Is described there, what John has seen in this vision, and it says outside of that were the people outside of God. Jesus said that's the place of the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. You see, we're only in one of two spots. We're either there or we're with Christ. We're in Christ. And church, the last thing I want to do, really, the last thing I want to do is scare you into heaven by threatening you with hell. Or guilt you into heaven by making you feel so bad about yourself that you go to you go to God like a, like a puppy with its tail between its legs. What I want you to see and what the word describes to us is this glorious God who had every reason to judge us for our sin decides instead to take the wrath himself. That though we were alienated and hostile. Look around the world today and, and I don't normally ask you to do that. I'd like for you rather to look at your own sin. But look at the world and its attitude towards Christ. Hostile or not Hostile. Very hostile, especially in our culture. You you mention the name of Christ, and it is demanded that we take a backseat to everything else. You stand up in the name of another religion or culture or way of life or uh, identity, and and that gets celebrated in the name of tolerance. But if you're a Christian, you're not tolerated at all. Hostility. That's the mindset of the world now. So when we look at the world, we shouldn't be confused or in awe how could they well they're hostile towards jesus and so they're hostile towards god's people and they're hostile towards his church that was us before we knew jesus now we may have been religious and put a really fancy coat on it and maybe we didn't say anything but maybe in our religion we were hostile towards god i do things my way and this is how i've always done it and that's pretty much got to be good enough for god we didn't put it that way, but that's basically how we lived our lives. But Paul says this. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Jesus didn't just wink at our sin. You know, there's this mindset that most people think that God will just allow us all to get into heaven. Like, ah, oh, just come on in. Yeah, you know, I was angry, but I'm over it. Come on in. You know, wink, I know that you were involved in that adultery, or you were involved in that stealing or thievery, and I know all that, and you were a malicious dictator, but, you know, wink, come on in, we're just going to forget that. And most people think that because they don't want to admit that they're a sinner, and if they do know they're a sinner, they don't want to do anything about it. That's the worst place to be. The best place to be is to, to know the weight of your sin and know that Jesus has come to take it from you in his body in a few moments we're going to take communion and we're going to we're going to uh, drink what is grape juice and matzo crackers they're they're non-gmo matzo crackers that's how fancy they are my son this morning asked me dad can i take communion and every time he asks i say okay well tell me what we're doing well the the grape juice is the blood. It represents the blood. It's a symbol. Okay, what about the matzo? Broken body. Totally gets it. All right, yeah, you can take, you can take communion. We do that in remembrance of Jesus. Jesus said, you know, or the Bible says this, as often as we do this, do it in remembrance of Jesus. We take that as a symbol. When Jesus shed his blood on the cross and his body was broken, it's not as though the very drops of blood that Jesus shed were saved, and then each of us had them sprinkled on us. It, in and of itself, is a symbol. It's a symbol of that perfect lamb, that first Passover where the blood of the lamb was, was put on the doorpost and anybody in that house was saved. You have, in the same sense, as you put your faith in Christ today and his broken body and shed blood for you, you too can be saved. Saved from what? Well, first of all, saved from yourself. Because I find that in the world we have a few enemies, we have the world. We have Satan, but our worst enemy is our flesh. And Satan accuses us, and the world is hostile towards us. But man, we beat ourselves up like nobody else. You know, maybe maybe we we put on a good facade when nobody else is around, but man, we're by ourselves, and it gets the best of us. And 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 then Satan attacks that. You know, he kind of pushes those buttons. It all started with us kind of beating ourselves up and never going to be good enough, and Things are never going to change, and life's never going to be any different. It's that broken body of Jesus that has come to change that in your life. Not only to bring you from death into life, not only to change your destiny, not not only to, 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 to change where you will be for all of eternity, but also to have you start walking in eternity today. From here on out, this will be as close to hell as you'd ever get. You will never have to feel eternal separation from God. see right now we have a lot of things that make a good substitute you know and when I say good substitute, I mean it's just in the earthly mind a good substitute you no know, I don't have you know I, I'm looking for that thing but I'll, I'll find that fullness in food or sex or alcohol or my job or my relationships or or or, or my hobbies I'll, I'll do something to fill that which is just so gaping in me, and for a moment I'll be satisfied, but that will just dissolve as quickly as it was built up. Church, Jesus is the one that provides the fullness that you seek in your life today. And he has offered you his grace that is free to you today. And I want us to understand this distinction. God's grace is free, but it is not cheap the cross reminds us of the cost of the shed, uh, of of our sin being um, washed away isaiah chapter 1 i believe it's in verse 18 god says come let us reason together though your sins are like scarlet you got to underst- you got to you got to recognize that though your sins are like scarlet they will be made as white as snow Jesus' blood is more than enough to cleanse you, to make you pure and holy before the sight of God because of what Jesus has done for you. That reconciliation has taken place in the body of Christ. And you can can argue that. You can make it all cerebral. You can make it all emotional, but we are called to do all of those things. We are called to face our doubts. Some folks in the church today that, you know, the world will bring up some, some fact, if you will, air quotes, about something about the Bible, especially this time of year. You know, something about the tomb or the shroud of Turin or, or something. And the world is like, you know, poking holes and stuff and Christians get scared. Well, what do I say? What do I say? I don't have all the answers. It's not about having all the answers. It's about knowing Jesus. Knowing that Jesus gives you those answers when you need them. Knowing that when you get asked those hard questions, it's an opportunity to share what God has given you, not just in the past, but in that moment. To share with them Jesus. You know, the shadow turn I don't know, isn't that interesting? You know, there's been all kinds of scientific DNA evidence and all that. And one group says it's, it's true, and one group says it's false. And man, what do you think about that? You not have to have all the answers. You don't have to have everything. You just have to have a relationship with Jesus. So while while that relationship was given through grace, which is free, it's a free gift, the Bible says, it's not cheap. It costs God everything, right? If you read the Gospels and you read about how much God loved his son, this is my son in whom I am I am well pleased, God the Father says in the in the audience of people. That's what he gave up for you. John three sixteen, the, the famous verse, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son gave to us so that you might experience the grace of God. If you're here today, that the grace of God has been extended to you. We sing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. You can make that decision today because the grace has been offered to you. It's as though God has opened the door and says, said, Come on in. The grace has been offered to you. It's your job to walk through. If you do that today, this is a life changing event. This is something that, like the day when Jesus was crucified, you read about that day. Earthquakes, tombs opening up, the curtain being torn in two in the Holy of Holies, darkness across the land. It was catastrophic in the best way. This is what will happen to you in the best way. If you give your life to Jesus what does that mean it means that you're gonna go from dark to light you're gonna start seeing the world in a brand new way you're gonna look upon your enemy and you're gonna want to pray for them instead of revile them or get back at them or get revenge at them you're going to look at those who are in need you're not gonna see them as somebody who needs a handout you're gonna see somebody who needs life who needs Jesus they need they need temporal uh, physical things but they also need jesus and if they're within the church you say that's my brother and sister i gotta help them i gotta do something i gotta give them a ride i gotta make them a meal i gotta give them a couple bucks to get them through to their payday or something you're gonna see the world in a different way and you're gonna see jesus as much as he is to be seen here you're gonna see him as your savior as your friend you're gonna see him as your lord you're king of kings you're going to see him as this this warring king who has gone to to take back what satan has stolen from you you're going to see jesus in as much as he is to be seen here and now first corinthians i believe chapter 12 or 14 says that now we see through a mirror dimly it actually might be chapter 13 you now see through a mirror dimly you know if you've ever had one of those old antique mirrors and it's kind of losing its luster and you look in it you kind of see yourself but it's not a clear representation that's how we see jesus right now but there's coming a time and a day where we we will see him as he is to be seen the bible says complete connected intimacy with the god you were created for all things the bible says were created for him and by him and for him you were created for jesus today so when you give your life back to christ it's it's like, it's like Lego. You ever play Lego? I love Lego. You put Lego together, click, 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 and it all sticks together. It goes right together the way it's supposed to. You were meant to be connected to Jesus for all of eternity. And so today what you must do is simple. Have faith and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Lord, the Messiah, the anointed one of God, the one that God has sent to save you. You simply must have faith and believe that. You know, knowing how to properly exegete the scriptures and, and hermeneutical studies and all these big words that college professors throw at you. Good things, but not necessary for salvation. You just need Jesus for salvation. Hell is still real. Hell is still hot. Eternity is still a long time. And that is something else we forego if we give our life to Jesus. In an effort to be more appealing to churches, most churches don't even preach the the idea or the theology of hell anymore. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible teaches us very clearly, Jesus himself very clearly teaches us that indeed hell is hot and eternity is a long time. And that that place, that place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, that is the sentence that we go to willingly should we not accept the, the offer of grace. There's no third direction. There's no purgatory. There's no place where after you die, you kind of get a second chance. It's, it's here and now. You make the decision or you don't. And I see God being this God that just sort of is waiting and patient. First Peter says that he is, he is long-suffering. He's waiting for everybody to come back to him. He's waiting for people to give their lives to them, to give their lives to him, to become that, that reborn image of God that we were created to be. You see, for the Jews, and we'll we'll go kind of Old Testament for a moment. For the Jews, they had something called temple worship. This big, beautiful temple and It was destroyed once and then rebuilt again. And And within this temple, there were these different courts. You know, if you've ever stacked up blocks that were – one was big, and then you had the next one that was bigger and bigger and bigger. It was kind of like that concept. You had a big outer court, then an inner court, and a food court. And you had all these courts, and then you finally had this place – um, called the Holy of Holies and as the courts got smaller and as 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 the walls got higher the, the people who were allowed in were fewer even to the point where women could only go past a certain point and children and things like that and at this point once you get to the Holy of Holies one man can enter at one time of the year during the Day of Atonement Yom Kippur the day where the sins of the Jews were atoned by the sacrificing of an animal, of a lamb. It says that when Jesus died, now this, this Holy of Holies, you couldn't just peek in there. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was. You know, it was cra- you read the Old Testament, it was crazy, lightning and everything. Make a sacrifice, and, and that one man was allowed in there, and that was it. There was no fooling around, and you had to wear special clothes, and it was crazy. There was this giant curtain, thick and heavy, Beautifully and intricately made that hung to separate the rest of the temple from the Holy of Holies And it says that when Jesus died when he gave up his last breath on the cross when he said it is finished that curtain broke it ripped straight down the middle That word that in the Greek is the same word we get a schizophrenia from the breaking the separating the tearing in two of something it was this great symbol that that not just one man was going to enter into that Holy of Holies anymore. We all had access to God now. We all have the opportunity to come before God because He Himself has made atonement. He Himself has has washed away our sins, though they are like scarlet. They can now be white as snow. This is the good news of the Bible. This is the good news of, of the Gospel of Jesus. This is where we have placed our hope. And so now I challenge you, church, to put your hope in Jesus as well and maybe maybe you have I'm not here to question your faith or to question where you're at I'm simply here to present you with an opportunity I believe most likely this is the scenario that's going on right now that you are tired that you are alone that you are growing weary of doing good that you are at a place where you are complacent and ultimately just don't know what to do to get out of this place maybe you're on fire for christ maybe you're jumping all day long you just filled with joy and 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 that's a fruit of the spirit and that's the way it should be in a sense but if you're not in that place today's the day where that can change today's the day where that fruit can grow again that the joy of the lord would indeed become your strength a lot of people question you know a lot of the things that i do and rightfully so because i do some dumb things joe i I make a lot of jokes i'm really sarcastic i like to have fun i like to do goofy things with my kids joy is a fruit of the spirit you know seriousness is not joy is a fruit that god has given us to be portrayed in our lives to be extended to others to share with others church i would love for you to receive that joy today but you'll only find it in jesus i i I would To come and give you a message that simply filled you with joy hey everybody we're going to give you all a free pizza and a a car and a coupon for coffee at your favorite coffee place and just be happy a we can't afford that b it's temporary yeah we have we have those things now and they're not making us happy right we get trapped in the hook that or we get hooked into the trap if i just had a different car if I just had more food, or better food, or if I just had more time. If we just had more time, we would just waste it even more. If I just had more stuff, if I just had a better iPad, if I just had a new iPhone, if I just if I just had this, if I just had that, if I had a Xbox One that can do this, it's better, you know, the new Xbox One that's better than the old Xbox One. If I just had that, everything would be good. If I had Madden 17 instead of Madden 16. You don't know what that is, it's okay. It's the better version of the old version. That's what we get, right? Well, if I just had this fishing rod, or if I just had this thing, fill in the blank. You're not filled with joy yet because those things were not meant to fill you with joy. It might make you happy, but they don't fill you with joy. The joy that we're seeking, the joy that we were made for as new creatures in Christ is the joy that comes from God. It's the joy that withstands the constant bombardment from the world and from Satan and from our flesh. Paul says and this is where we'll kind of conclude. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. We have been fed as the church for quite some time. As much as I might despise what I would what we would call this prosperity gospel, I do. But we've also been taught within the walls of what I would consider good churches that giving your life to Jesus is the end of all of it. That, that after that, you're not, there's nothing expected of you. That there's no price to pay after that. And when I read the Bible, when I read about carrying my cross and crucifying my flesh, and when I read this about walking worthy in, in Colossians, I believe it's 1 and 6, where, where, where Paul says, we want, we're praying that you will walk in a manner that is worthy of Christ. Church, I'm here to tell you it's not probably the way you thought what that means, meaning you all of a sudden start wearing a shirt and tie, and, and you always talk in these uh, King James English and things like that. And you, and, you, and you know, if your eyes do something, you gouge them out, and you, know, you never watch movies or dance anymore. It's not that. That's something man created to try to keep himself uh, unstained, and as we read on in Colossians later, we're going to read, that doesn't do anything for our flesh. It just makes it worse, really. We're talking about the joy that in the face of, let's just let's just put this out there, our current presidential race, you can still be filled with joy watching these guys, and I'm not throwing anybody into the bus, but you can watch these guys and girl and still go, you know what, but the Lord is in control. Regardless of whoever winds up on the throne in the White House, the throne of my heart is occupied by jesus and the throne of all creation is occupied by jesus and i will be filled with joy not because of the circumstances that surround me i will be filled with joy because of the savior that is in me and so church this is this is the life you're being called to this is the standard which is set before you now to live by pastor tony i'll probably fail no you I'll take the probably out. You will fail. I fail. Billy Graham fails. The Apostle Paul failed. Everybody fails at it from time to time. But what is your attitude towards it after that? Well, I'm just a failure? No. Let us, the church, a big group of failures and broken people, help you get back up. Because Jesus helped us get back up. And if you're mourning, let us mourn with you. And if you're happy, let us be happy with you. Let us be the church for you. But don't allow yourself to stay in that place of the old life. Move into the place of the new life. Nothing wrong with being sad. You read the book of uh, Psalms. Lamentation after lamentation after lament. There's a whole book called Lamentations. Just lamenting to the Lord. Oh, Lord, why? It's basically what they all culminate to be. But they always end it with but Lord, you are good. But Lord, you're still Lord. You are still in control. You are still the God of all creation. You still love me. Your Holy Spirit still empowers me. Any variation of that. They might they might go on for 15, 20, 30 verses about how they don't understand while good is failing and evil is prospering and, and, and nothing seems to be done and God, you seem silent, but you are good church if you're mad at the Lord be mad at him and let him let him let you have that sort of spiritual meltdown and then let him pick you back up from that let a good Christian friend come in and say hey you know what? but the Lord loves you Jesus reconciled you to him through his broken body and so church All that is needed for salvation has been done. It is finished. He has risen. He has conquered sin, Satan, and death. Life can be different for you today. So I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray for you. As your pastor and as the preacher of this place, it is my honor and privilege to do so. If you ever need prayer for anything, you can always ask. But this is a special prayer I want to pray. Okay? Because for all of you, it's different, but in a sense, it's the same. So we're going to pray today that one of two things. One, yes, Lord, I get it. I want to, I I hear the message. I'm hearing stuff Tony's not even saying. I hear your Holy Spirit. You're calling me. You're taking the wet wood of my heart. You're lighting it on fire. And now I want to live for you. I want to read your word. I want to do a Bible study. I want to go to seminary. I want to be a missionary. You're just on fire. You're hearing the message and you're there for the You know, for that one person, great. For the rest of us, you are like, I, ah, I just, Lord, I don't know. What do you expect of me? What do you want from me? What, where do I go next? See, I want, I want the Lord to guide you and direct you now. I believe it's the Psalm says that your word is a light unto my feet. There's no real guarantee that God's going to give you the whole plan from here on out. He's guaranteeing you the next step. His word will illuminate that. So we need God's word. We need to develop a love or a, or a desire for it. I tell you that the word is a privilege. You know, Jesus, when he was crucified, he was crucified with two other men, right? One of them was a thief. No indication that he was a Bible scholar. No indication that he grew up in a religious home he simply turned to the Lord and said remember me today and the promise from Jesus was that he would simple all the other stuff that comes later God takes care of. today you have a choice follow Jesus or not what does that look like start with surrendering Lord I wave the white flag proceed with repentance here's where I was going Lord, thank you for the grace to turn around from that. Worship. Lord, you're everything. Lord of lords, king of kings, you're everything. And be loved. Because the cross, the reason why we as Christians still carry empty crosses around our neck and we maybe put them in our home or we put them on the the platform of our church is because it is a great symbol of love. The greatest love that's ever been shown, expressed, and displayed for all of the world to see. And that love is for you. Not just us, but for you specifically. You are not alone. The Lord is with you. The Lord loves you. And the Lord calls you. Let's pray. Jesus, as we look upon your word and we read the truths... Of this day. It's too much. When we. When we. Contemplate. Your steps. Up Calvary. Carrying that cross Lord. Hanging there. For all the world to see. As you bore our shame. And our sin. And you bore everything that we had done. Though you yourself were blameless. It's Too much. As we contemplate that day between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, that, that night where the disciples must have laid their head down. Tears must have spilled from their face. They crying out to you, lamenting, wondering what, what has happened. Three and a half years and now their savior, their, their king of kings is lying in a tomb. But it's that Sunday morning that changes everything. You rose from that grave. That tomb was empty. And today, that old life of ours can be empty too. I pray, Lord, for your people, individually, Lord, each one of them, that today you would take their lives and lead them, Lord. Lead them to surrender. Lead them to repentance. Lead them to worship. Lead them to feel loved. Lord, I think that if we leave here without feeling loved, then we've, we've missed the whole point. Father, when we fail at this, and we, and we will, when we don't hit the mark of righteousness that you've set before us, I thank you that Jesus is that righteousness already. But help us to walk worthy of you in a manner that is worthy of being a follower of Jesus. Lord, as the door is opened, I pray Your people would walk through, seeking and eager to find You. And like the prodigal son, may they find a father with arms stretched out, running towards their, running towards them, only seeking to love, only seeking to restore, only seeking to redeem. We praise You, Lord. I thank you for, that. for those who have taken that step. There is now no condemnation for them. That they now have the freedom and liberty that you have paid for through your Son. May we be reconciled today in Jesus' name. Amen.